listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word from John 15? These are the very words of Jesus Christ himself. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I don't know uh, how many of you can relate, but uh, did anybody, was anybody not really sure what they wanted to be when they grew up? Uh, I, I remember having that feeling, uh, and it's one thing when you're nine, it's something else when you're 19 and you're in college and your parents or you are paying thousands of dollars to get an education and you're not really sure what you're going to do with it. Uh, so I solved the problem by becoming a liberal arts major, uh, which means you just kind of take one of everything and uh, figure it out as you go along which worked out fine, but then as I got near graduation, I still really didn't know or have a strong sense of what I wanted to do. And my dad was uh, very successful in uh, marketing, advertising, communication, and uh, I had a decent head for numbers and you know strategy. And uh, so I just sort of let him lead me to follow in his footsteps. I went to grad school, did a master's degree in marketing, and um, it seemed like a good idea. Uh, like, hey, I can make good money doing this. Uh, I get a master's degree. That sounds impressive. I live in a nice neighborhood, uh, take nice vacations, uh, live the American dream. That was kind of the plan. And, uh, you know, I went along that path for a while and still really didn't feel like, boy, this, this is, you know, this is the direction for my life. And, you know, people would say things like, man, you were, you were really going places. And it always kind of made me wonder, like, yeah, but is that the place I really want to get to? Anybody ever felt like that? I guess it, maybe it was a sense of work was in some way like giving me an identity and a security and 
uh, and, and life and direction somehow, but it, it never really seemed to do that. Maybe it's not work for you. Maybe you felt that in relationships. Uh, somebody is going to be that person or that group friend that's going to be there for you all the time and satisfy all those desires for connection. Or uh, maybe it's looking within. Uh, what's your passion? What, what motivates you? What do you want to live for? Listen to your heart and, you know, and then go chase after that and, and you'll make life work great and it'll all turn out the way you want. Uh, you know, of course, we live in a very consumerist society, and we're all bombarded with messages along the lines of, you know, buy this product, have that experience, and then life will be great. Uh, I remember years ago seeing an ad for Sam's Club, and it had their little logo, and the tagline was, the secret to living well. Said, wow, I can get a Sam's Club membership and live well. And yet we know those things don't really work. they there's something that leaves us wanting more, feeling like there's supposed to be something more than this, right? Like there's something in us, I, I think we, we long for purpose, for meaning, for direction, for security and significance and confidence, and those things aren't bad, the, the, you know, that we live in and, and maybe chase after, but they don't really seem to do the trick. It's almost like we're, we're walking around with a power cord looking for the outlet to plug it into. And then we'll really have life. And here we come to this passage in John's Gospel, in John chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about that kind of dynamic, that longing for connection, longing for something real, something lasting, something that matters, and calling us into something that is beyond our self-actualization. And, and in fact, Jesus would maybe take that image and say, it's not so much that you have a power cord that you need to plug into the right outlet. Maybe it's really more that you have an umbilical cord, and you need to be connected to the right source of life. So here's the key idea that we're going to look at today from John 15. The life that I want is with Jesus. The life that I want is with Jesus. Now, a bit of uh, context here as we get into our passage this morning. Uh, starting in John 13, you may know Jesus has had this last supper with his disciples. He's washed their feet. Judas has left to go betray him. And, and now Jesus goes into this extended several chapters of teaching and preparation. Chapter 14, Jesus tells them clearly, I'm leaving and I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you that you will be with me. But I don't want you to be discouraged or upset or worried because I will be with you, I'll send the Holy Spirit, and the disciples are, aren't really getting it. And now we come to John 15, and, and basically what Jesus is trying to tell them is, this is the life that the Father and I want for you. This is the life that I intend you to experience. And if you haven't already, go ahead and turn to John 15. Uh, I, I don't know if you noticed all this imagery about 
vine and branches. That's probably not imagery that we're familiar with a lot, uh, but it would have been common in Jesus' day. He's basically talking about grapevines, and he may have even been passing by some on the way from that upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says, taking that image, that common image in front of them, I am the vine, and you, my disciples, you are the branches. I am the source of life that my followers have to be connected to. Now, just a little bit of historical connection and context here, too. That imagery of a vine was used commonly in the Old Testament for the people of God, for Israel. Except almost every time it was used, it was God saying, my vineyard has not been faithful and it's not been fruitful. And now Jesus comes and says, I am the true vine. I am everything that God's people were supposed to be. When you look at me, you see what God's people are supposed to look like. And he's not just contrasting, you know, his obedience with their disobedience and failure. He's saying, I am the source of life and meaning for everyone. And believers in Jesus, those who follow him, are the branches who are part of the vine and are called to abide in him, to remain in him, to experience that life for the direction, for the impact, for the security and confidence that we need. And I remember that feeling, that longing, when my mom and I moved to another city my senior year of high school, and uh, I was in a totally new context. The positive part of it was a really small high school, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try out for the basketball team. I was six foot four my senior year of high school, Uh, And I was perfectly qualified to play basketball because I played horse in the driveway with my brother. Um, And that lack of qualification showed up in the first scrimmage that I played in where it became pretty evident that, yeah, it wasn't too bad other than not having ball control or any shooting skills or ability to read the court or ability to execute plays. Other than that, I did pretty well. Uh, I think I set a record for turnovers in a game. So uh, the coach called me aside afterwards. Actually, I, I, you know, probably during the game because I didn't even last very long to tell me what I needed to hear. Not only did I not know how to do what I needed to do, I needed to unlearn some things. I had some bad habits from not being disciplined and not training that I needed to get rid of. And he said, you know... you can, you can continue to scrimmage with the team if you want, but that's going to involve coming to practices, learning the plays, running suicide drills, wind sprints, uh, hitting the weight room. That was painful, right? I mean, not just physically painful, but painful to hear like, Jeff, you're not, you're not good. But I needed to hear it because... He knew what he was talking about, and he was trying to set me in the direction that I needed to go. That longing for connection, that goes deep into who God made us to be. When I want to be connected, it's because I need direction 
I need direction. That's the first thing that Jesus is saying here. We are not made to figure out life on our own. He's the vine. He's the source. We are the branches. We don't have the answers for questions like, where am I supposed to go? What should I do with my life? How do I know if I'm heading the right way? Do I have the right goals? And do you see Jesus here is saying, I have the direction in life that you were made for. Look at how he puts it in verse 5 again. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me you can accomplish not less than you ought to, but nothing. Nothing. I'm the vine, you are the branches means you weren't designed to figure out life on your own. You were not designed to be the source of your own direction and purpose in life. Because if you, I mean, just think about the image, right? Like, do branches decide what kind of fruit they're going to generate? Any, any of you guys who grow anything or garden? Like, you don't go out and ask the tomato branches, what do you think you want to grow this season? No, they, they take the orders from the vine, from, from the plant itself. The branch's job is to just submit and surrender itself to the vine's direction. Look at what Jesus says in verse 1 again. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener or the vine dresser. And he takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You want to be connected to direction and purpose for your life? Jesus is saying, I am the one that provides that for you. I'm the source of that for your life. But the part that we don't like is when he gives direction by pulling out the pruning shears, which is painful. Again, any of you who have ever done any gardening, whether it's flowers or vegetables or just trees in your yard, you know what pruning is like, right? You're not just cutting away the dead branches that are unfruitful. You're taking the little tomato plant and snipping off the flowers that are growing to force the growth in a different direction. And the point is the branches, us, are not good judges of what needs to be trimmed. The gardener, the vine dresser, is the one who has to decide what to keep and what to cut out because we are not good judges of what is fruitful. We are not good judges of what is fruitful in our own lives. Our purpose, Jesus says, is to remain in him, to trust him that we would bear fruit for him. And the branches don't get to tell the vine dresser, no, I don't, I don't mess with that part, okay? I think that part's doing fine. I, I'll let you cut this part over here. I don't like that anyway. No. The vine dresser has to come and cut away even some things that look like they're good in order to make us better. And that is good news. That is good news because it is a terrible thing for us to be left on our own to figure it out. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You, you had a, 
a project or a homework assignment or a, a job that you were supposed to do and you didn't know what to do and you didn't know where to find the resources and it was just sort of like, well, good luck. I hope that works out for you. That's good news that it's not up to us to figure it out. We are only branches, not the vine. And there is joy and freedom in resting, in remaining in the vine. There's peace in trusting that the Father really does have life. And he wants us to experience it and to trust him by letting him direct what he takes and what he gives. He knows what he's doing, and he knows where I need to go. I need direction. I also want to be connected to something bigger than myself because I think deep down there's this part in all of us that we want to know that our life matters for something, right? Like, I want my life to be more than just sitting in a recliner and and doing crossword puzzles until Jesus comes back. I mean, that's nice maybe for a couple of hours or for a weekend or something or a vacation, but I want to know that my life makes a difference, that that it matters whether or not I get up in the morning and, and show up for anything. I want results. That's the second thing. I need to be connected to Jesus because I want results in my life, like results that matter. Look in verse 3. Jesus says, every branch that is in me, he prunes to make it more fruitful, and you are already pruned or clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? If you are in me, I have already cleaned you. I have already pruned you. And to be in Christ, to acknowledge that he is Lord and Savior and King is to bear fruit for God. Because when I say, when any of us says, I belong to Jesus and I'm following him, We are acknowledging, I was blind, and Jesus is the one that has opened my eyes. I was dead, and Jesus gave me new life spiritually. To be in Christ is to be fruit for God's glory. Think of it this way. Last week, remember Pastor Joey took us through this statement of Jesus where he says, I am the light of the world. Joey pointed out how you can have more light or less light. To be in Jesus, you've already been cleaned. You've already been pruned. The, The Father has already been at work taking the garbage out. But we can be more cleaned. We can produce more fruit as we walk with him. That's God's intention. There's an ongoing process of remaining in Jesus so that we are more fruitful. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and if we are in him, we have life. Because that's what branches are for, to produce fruit that extends the life of the plant. Look in verse 8, how Jesus puts it. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, get the order straight, because this is important. We don't produce 
fruit to become Jesus' disciples. Jesus lives out his life in us because we are already in him. But what comes out of living in Christ and remaining with him is fruit, is results, is transformation. And following Jesus in trusting obedience is what brings glory to the Father. Look at, look at how he talks about it. It's about obedience to the commands of Jesus in verse 10. He talks about experiencing his joy in verse 11 and love for one another in verse 12 and, and towards the end of the chapter where he talks about witnessing to the world of who he is. The reason I'm spending time on this is because if you haven't noticed, that is not the kind of fruit that the world values and measures. Nobody in the world is going to applaud you or tell you, hey, you're doing a great job and I'm proud of you for praying, for walking in obedience to Christ, for loving the brothers and sisters in the church, for witnessing to the truth of Christ. Jesus says that is what actually matters. That's what makes your life count. Not your income, not your degrees, not your address, not your career success, not how many friends or fans or followers you have. This is fruit that brings glory to the Father to remain in Christ and to let him work out his life through us. Because fruit does not exist for its own sake. Isn't it interesting how Jesus picks this image? What does fruit exist for? To spread seeds, to, to reproduce the life of the plant. I mean, it, it's nice that there's usually this sweet, nourishing uh, fruit wrapped around it, but the seed is actually there to get a bird or a human to eat it so that the life of the plant gets passed on. Fruit is intended to reproduce the life of the vine, the plant. Obedience, love, joy, witness. The fruit is the result of depending, remaining in the vine and being connected to Jesus. Fruit that goes to God's glory. Those are the results that God wants in our lives. And, you know, just a side note, you did all notice that Jesus didn't say, you know, the, the fruit of abiding in me is cockle burrs and thistles. No, it, it's fruit, it's sweet, it's nourishing, it's life-giving. It ought to be beautifying and enriching to the people around us that they benefit from it. That's the results. If you want to make an impact to see results, remember again what Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, that one bears much fruit. And apart from me, apart from me, all those other things that we measure accomplish nothing. And then thirdly, I, I need to be connected to Jesus because I long, we long for confidence. I need to be connected to Jesus because I long for confidence. 
Again, back in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. If you have believed and responded to Jesus' word in faith, you are connected to his life. You are a child of God. And that means it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your earning. It's not based on how much fruit you're producing. That's not the point of these images. Jesus is not saying, oh, be, be, make sure you're producing enough fruit and the right kind of fruit. No, he's saying you are already in me if you have believed my word. What a great confidence. What a great security that is. Sounds a lot more encouraging than, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Like that part is, is not as exciting. Nobody wants to hear that pep talk at halftime in the locker room, right? All right, guys, I want you to go out there and remember you can do nothing. I don't believe in you. Yay! No, that's, that's not exactly what Jesus is saying. But there's a truth there that we really do need to hear. The alternative, you see, is to say, believe in yourself. You go do it. It's all on your shoulders. Thank God that Jesus is not saying, hey, I believe in you. Get yourself together, pull yourself up, and you go out and do it. That is soul-crushing. Because then it's all on you. And it is all about how hard you're trying and how much fruit you're producing and is it the right kind of fruit and is there enough of it and is it good enough and will God be pleased with it? No, thank God. Thank Jesus that the burden is on his shoulders. It is because of what he has done. Look at the confidence that brings. As we go to the Father in prayer in verse 7, Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Man, that sounds awesome, right? Does anyone here have a testimony of how God has absolutely answered everything they've asked for in their lives? I'd like to raise my hand to that, but it doesn't seem to work that way. So what is Jesus getting at here? Look at the first part of the statement. Whoever abides in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want. To abide in Jesus means to be aligned with his character and his will and his purposes. How did Jesus pray? Oh, Father, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I have not come to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. I've come to obey all that the Father has commanded. See, we don't just tack on in Jesus' name to literally whatever we want and then expect God to give us what we ask for because that's not how it works with vines and branches, right? I mean, the branches don't get to say, you know, I'm kind of tired of growing grapes. Some apples would be nice. How about if I grow apples? No, you're a grape branch and you're attached to a grapevine. Maybe one of the ways that we can evaluate how we're abiding in Jesus is how we pray. Not, not even, I don't mean even so much what we pray for, but just how we pray, because prayer is designed to undermine our self-sufficiency. 
It's intentionally cutting the knees out from our belief and trust in ourselves. It requires humility and faith. I mean, to an outside observer, it, it looks foolish, like I'm talking to the ceiling. You can't necessarily measure the results. You're adopting the posture of like a, a child or, or a beggar. In other words, prayer forces us to trust God, forces us to trust him for the results and not ourselves. Think about what that looked like. If you're familiar with the story of Job in the Old Testament, God allows Satan to destroy his life in the most painful ways possible. Maybe some of you have known some of what Job experienced. And, and in the deepest part of his pain and suffering, Job's wife come to, comes to him and says, are you still worshiping God? Curse God and die. And Job says, oh, should we accept good from the Lord and not bad? Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. That's the attitude of one who is abiding, resting in Christ and trusting him. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. How has the Father loved the Son? Well, partially by giving him a cross to carry up a hill to sacrifice himself for the sake of others. By leading him to lay down his life. And just as the Father has loved the Son, so the Son loves us and invites us to take up our crosses and lay down our lives in service to others. Is that what I'm praying for? As I'm trying to align myself with Jesus' purpose. Remain, abide, rest in that love. That's your security. That's your purpose. That, that's your identity. That's what Jesus has invited us into. But what's amazing is that does not lead to, you know, sort of grim, joyless duty. In Christ, I am connected to direction for my life and a life that produces results that actually matter and, and a purpose that nothing can take away and confidence that I'm secure in his work and not mine. And what that ends up producing in verse 11 is an overwhelming joy, an overwhelming joy. I've told you these things that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The great news of Jesus is this is not some self-improvement program. Jesus is not giving you seven steps to follow and, you know, and make sure you dot the I's and cross the T's and get it all right. It's not about me having to do all this or make it work. Jesus says, remain in me. Let me be in charge and I'll drive, I'll produce the fruit. And that leads to a life of profound satisfaction and deep joy because I'm not gonna be measured by some external standard. It's not gonna be about how much I earn or what other people think of me or, or whether or not I count my life a success. I have deep joy in knowing that I am loved by Christ and he is using me 
in the ordinary ins and outs of my daily life. Do you see that? Because what that means now is I don't have to have some huge, grand, world-changing program to, to make my life count. When I am washing dishes or mowing the lawn or doing homework or changing diapers or balancing a checkbook, I am abiding in Christ and doing it out of love for others through him. And that means it matters and I'm a success in what matters to the Father. To lay down my desires and use my life to bless others is fruit for God's glory. And the way Jesus says that you experience that kind of life is to keep my words in your mouth, minds, your, my commandments in your hands, and you will abide in my love. The life that I want, the life that you want, is life with Jesus, a life of purpose, direction, satisfaction, success, confidence. Corrie ten Boom, the uh, Dutch Christian who uh, survived World War II concentration camp, said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Jesus you will be at rest. The way to a joyful life of meaningful direction, lasting impact, and unshakable confidence is to rest, to remain in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that you know us inside and out. You know what we need. And thank you for the sobering, humbling reminder that we are but branches and you are the vine. Oh, Jesus, live your life through us. Help us to remain in you, to look no farther than you for direction, for significance, for confidence. Thank you, Jesus. Pray in your name with joy and gratitude. Amen.